Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There we are. There we are. Hello, everyone. So um, I heard your complaints. I just want everybody to know before we start the show today. I heard your complaints, and I purchased this. A brand new clock. All right. So this clock back here tells time. As if it's as if it's traveling through time in some weird way. The clock is about as accurate as you telling the date and year for right. the Right, so I'm getting rid of this clock. It's gonna go on Patreon to some one of our lovely. If you if you want a clock, somebody one of our Patreon subscribers is gonna get the old clock. If you want a clock that that goes from five fifteen like this just did to six twenty three randomly. Um, that would be good. So it's a time machine without the DeLorean. Right. Now you know how you know how when clocks are on in advertisements, they're always at ten ten. You know this. Have you seen this before? This is like a rec- common common advertising thing. Notice whenever you see a watch, it's always at ten ten. You know, with the, with the hands like this. And I actually was taught that this was actually a. We just lost Kevin. Oh shoot! He wasn't interested in it. Reinvite him. Okay, I was actually taught that this is a um, subliminal thing. You know, to represent something. Um, that you know, I don't want to get into. But anyway, that's what that was. And so no, this, and I took an adver- I took, no, I took an advertising course, and that's honestly what they said. So, um, yeah. So, so I think that's pretty funny because you know that's why they would always be at ten ten. Um, but that only makes sense if your clocks have hands on them, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, why would like a clock with a digital clock? <laughs> Like this one, this is a, so this one like be at ten ten. Like it's like the weirdest. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Well, they figure it's an antiquated way of advertising, so they're going to use that for the antiquated yeah, clock. Somebody who somebody who knows that's what you do with clocks, but doesn't know why. So I'm taking this clock out. Put it together right now. Here's Kevin. Kevin, we, knew we, were, we knew we were bored with X clock conversation. No, no, I'm just putting this on now, so put this up real fast. It's a little different. I, I don't know why I uh, keep freezing up, but you know, nothing has changed for me. My wireless is still in the same spot. It's really strange. Yeah, you're fine now. You're fine now. So let's just. I don't know. We'll we'll get started. Yeah. Guys, I was going to do this. The other, weird, the other weird thing is the invite doesn't stay. Like I. Oh really. Put, Clicked on it and you know it'll disappear. Yeah, it's it's because of this. New- Sorry. <laughs> please let's start, please. All right, ready. This is why this clock is not going to work. Yeah, this clock's going to work fine. You're right. ba- you're banging it against the table. Right, get the other battery out of the other clock. That's what I was trying to do. All right. It doesn't work. Hit it harder. <laughs> I know people get mad. You have no idea the kind of emails I got about this. People like I don't, and it's weird because most of the people watch our show in tape delay. So why this clock matters to them, I do not know. That's no, not working. Anyway, I'll fix it. Here. All right, you're killing me. <laughs> All right, let's start the show. Ready? It's as good as the bubble chair. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not. All right, here we go. Um, all right, it's the fourth, right? November fourth. Yes. Okay. We 40. are. 
four Friday days, too. Four, four days away from the apocalypse. Right, four days till Trump roll. All right, here we go. All right. Bing. Hello, Hockey World. It's Friday, November 4th. Uh, so frazzled. It's so, it's so late. It's 5 o'clock. All right, here we go. Hello, Hockey World. It's Friday, November 4th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Kevin Allen of USA Today Sports. And I am Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time or times around in the afternoon sometimes. So we're doing a late show today. And a couple of reasons. We had some technical stuff earlier. We really wanted to have Kevin on. And um, and also, I had thought of this idea that, that maybe we would start doing a Friday shows later because it's time to talk about the weekend. And we got lots of stuff going on. And give you something to come to kind of get you through your last hour at work or so. So Because uh, people are always complaining that we only do it at lunch sometimes, you know, and they have to do it then. So we're going to try something here. So... But let's uh, let's get started today with um, the interesting, rather peculiar story of Kari Ramo, who you guys all know that I am am a huge fan of. I actually think Kari Ramo is a very good goalie, and I've I've gone down that road before, and, and to much mockery and scorn. And definitely so from Mike and Russ here. But I actually think I actually do like Kari Ramo. I think he's a good goalie, and he today shows up on the ice. At practice with the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, he's a free agent. He's still a free agent, hasn't signed a contract or anything like that, so he's not under any any you know obligation, no no deals or anything like that. But right. he shows up, and Mike, what is so? What's happening, Mike? Why why is why are they why are they just throwing in the towel and going to Kai Rama right now? What's well, they're, they're not. They're not. <laughs> not what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after after Frederick Anderson dropped the ball the last two games and played great. Uh, no, what, uh, what's going on is Kari Ramo, uh, his agent, and Lou Lamorello, apparently, you know, they know each other, and uh, Ramo is recovering from a, an ACL injury from last year. Um, Frederick Anderson made over 40 saves last night in a victory over the Sabres, and uh, Ramo uh, took to the ice and basically gave Anderson a little bit of a break. He was out there as well, taking a couple shots, but they didn't want him participating fully in practice. The Leafs are at 50 contracts right now, but the thing I, I look at is, um, you know, they have one goaltender in the AHL who's injured right now. He may be coming back fairly soon. So you could see Ramo, who has not been medically cleared yet, you know, maybe sign a PTO to get some get a couple games in. With teams like Boston and Los Angeles, with all their goalies being AHL goalies right now, even though Budai has been playing fairly well since being called up, um, you know, I, a guy like Ramo, who is available in a UFA, might have an opportunity to get a contract somewhere. It even could be in Toronto because if Toronto decides to trade Jonas Enroth, who's only making seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and a team like LA, he was with LA last year. Or a team like Boston, who played against him when he was in Buffalo, if you know they're if they're interested in in a pro contract like him, uh, in a pro in a, a veteran experienced goaltender like like Enroth, then that might make sense. And Ramo would come in as the backup. But right now, it's just he's practicing with them and they're doing him a favor. That's all. It Something is. you might not be aware of, Mike, but the turnaround for Frederick Anderson, what is saving his career in Toronto, is Netflix. That's what CBC is reporting, that really? Netflix relaxes him and he watches the supernatural shows on there, and that has helped his turnaround. So I'm just letting you know that. Okay. <laughs> How would you describe supernatural show? What is that exactly? I mean, I'm assuming he likes the Marvel shows. They've got a lot of Marvel shows on there, like, like 
Flash, yeah. Has anyone seen the um Ranger? No, not Flash, like Luke Cage. Flash is DC. No. Devin, I know you're a Marvel person. Doctor Strange, have you have you going to I haven't seen it yet, no. So I will at some point, Tom. It looks good. It looks good. It huh? does look good. You know, he's the magic superhero. That's what my son describes him. <laughs> he's the superhero who can do magic. <laughs> Um, yeah, so okay, so you know, I, I'm with him. Uh, Netflix Netflix is the only reason that I've been successful with hockeybuzz.com. Okay. Netflix keeps me going too, as well. I mean, Netflix and Hulu, a combination of those two, but yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, no, I just, no, I bring this up all to be partially silly and, and partially serious because I do think that I, I have a theory. Thanks, Mike. I have a theory here, uh, and I want Kevin's opinion on this on Mike Babcock and Lou Lamorello that they are not the kind of people who are going to be okay. With a struggling goalie for very long, and I know that these, I know that they're okay with him for now, and it's a five-year deal. But there is nothing I don't think that either of these people like more than having a steady goalie, right? I mean, these are these are two guys who really are into that concept. Well, I, I agree with you, but the five-year contract is the yeah. you know it's a very important issue, and it's also the fact that they know. I mean, they look at that defense every night, and you know they kind of know you know, where this team is at. Like, it's not really ready yet because they haven't really worked on the defense the way they worked on the offense. And, you know, the offense is very Im impressive to the point that I think they're one of the more entertaining teams to watch. But, yeah. you know, the defense leaves much to be desired. So I, I think because of that, I think that they're going to have a lot of patience with Anderson, uh, to be sure. Now, that doesn't mean they won't explore a second option if they think uh, – uh, you know, Ramo is the, the guy that, uh, uh, you know, can help him. But I, I, I think they're going to go in long term with Anderson, and that continues to be the plan. I mean, I would think, Kev, that he was probably briefed before he was signed and said, listen, we're giving you five years, but you, you understand a couple of years could be a little rough. And, and I think that's part of his, his contract, really. I think he's probably expecting that. Yeah, and he's still young enough that he can be part of the – of the future. That's the key in, in bringing him in. And I, you know, I think Anderson's a quality goalkeeper. Um, you know, yeah. I just, he needs, you know, time and, 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 you know, I don't care who you put in uh, that net right now with the defensive team that they have. I mean, he's not going to be a superstar. Although I did predict the win against Buffalo and they did win against Buffalo. Mike, Mike predicted a loss. Well, but that's just the way it goes. Mike always predicts a lot. <laughs> well, it's I, I, when, they, when they go one seventeen and one in their last nineteen games, it would be like clueless to predict a victory. And if you looked at it, and you know, somebody was saying, "Yeah, when did when did Dominic Hasek play start playing for the Leafs?" Because that was the type of performance that Anderson had last night. He was incredible. But I mean, I'll disagree with Eck here. I do not think that the Leafs. Are are going to destabilize their goaltending situation further. I mean, Anderson's the guy. They've given him five years. Well, I don't. I don't doubt that. I'm not. You're not disagreeing with me. I agree with what you're saying there. I just said that that there is a. They're they're trying. It's funny for me to watch Babcock and Lamorello. Yeah. Say, oh, he's just having a bad week. And I'm like, he's, he's having a bad, like this is not. These are not two guys who are always like, oh, he's going to be fine. He's just having a bad couple months. He's couple games i mean and i know that this is a big picture expect pain maple leafs team right but i've also seen lou lamorello and and babcock like you know freak out when goalies have bad months i mean right. like, not, not be happy about it but after, i mean but it would do very often because lou had a goalie that was solid for a decade but even then he would have you know issues if if, if brodor looks slightly tired 
you know, or anything like that. I mean, you saw all this, so that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. But yeah. after but after the rough start, he's had three really good games in a row. So it would make absolutely no sense for them and 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 show no being attuned to your own team to bring in Kari Ramo as like a not, not saying that you're bringing him in as a threat, but to bring in Kari Ramo after Anderson has played three of his best games. Right. You know, he's played I think nine games right now. But this but this was a big win for the Leafs because. For people like Mike that said they were stuck in the mud with that 117, one thought like you can never, you know, win there, they did. And it does show that they are turning the corner at least because now it's a different Leafs team and this team probably doesn't think about going in there and losing. There's not that many guys on the roster that have, you know, have had that in their head for a long time. It's definitely a step in the right direction, Russ, but, you know, you have to remember also Buffalo's without Eichel, without Kane, without Bogosian. And they only won two to one. So I give them full marks. Marner played great, and Anderson stood on his head. But when you start go, you know, when a team is forty games under five hundred, for in the in the four in their forty six years of their exist, I mean, in the forty six years that Buffalo's been in existence, one game, one win, and the first one it's since twenty thirteen is not going to. <laughs> didn't didn't the Cubs teach you anything? Didn't lifetime record of the Sabres. Yeah. Yeah, let, let me ask you this. Have we reached the point already, Mike, where you know, not, you're not even happy with the win? That it's, it's, no, it's, <laughs> they didn't score enough. This, you know, someone, that's, what he, that's what he said. Like, he made his, like it was only a two-to-one win. Like, Mike, yeah, no, no, there are people in the university, Kevin, that are studying Mike specifically. <laughs> yeah. That's why we have these missions, because there are people who are doing tests on what it is like to be a lifelong Maple Leafs fan. And yeah. they're looking at him as the perfect example, like, you know, of a player of one who wants to never lose, wants to tank, wants to, 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 to. That, That's what he said. He said it was only a two-to-one win. Right. If you're an ice cream taster at Friendly's and you say it's not vanilla enough, that's good. That's a good recommendation. When you win a game, to, you win a game. I'm just trying to keep things in perspective. I'm, I'm like, I understand. That's the parade. I mean, I know, nobody, nobody's saying they're, you know, they've turned the corner. But you know, no. one, one point about uh, – Babcock and Lamarillo, like we always talk, and I've been guilty of this as well, you know, saying, look, um, you know, traditionally, historically, you know, they can't take this type of situation. But, you know, they've never been in this situation before, so we really don't know how they will really react in this situation. And they've surprised us a little bit. I mean, like the defense of uh, Babcock, of his goalie, um, you know, earlier when he was, wasn't playing well, I mean – I hadn't seen that before. You know, right, he basically right. said that he's my guy. Yeah. Right, right. When have you ever heard about? I mean, that's yeah, like yeah. The, it's, well, I mean, well, so, a great goalie never got that. Yeah. My so my point is that you know we shouldn't be too surprised of how they react because they're faced with a different situation and you know behind closed doors, like they both may be very very excited about what they have cooking here, and you know, they may be saying. Hey, you know, if we could get uh, draft another good defenseman here this season, and we can trade for a young defenseman, you know, who knows? Like they may be excited by all this, and so yeah, you know, well, I, I I don't know that they'll be impatient. Well, the, the one thing the one thing that's weird, and they're very you know, obviously two experienced, um, one NHL coach, one NHL NHL general general manager, both have won Stanley Cups. Their their resumes are fantastic. They're two very strong willed guys. And a guy like Frank Corrado, who you know, we know Frank Corrado is not an all-star defenseman, but he's he's an I think he's an NHL defenseman. Yeah. And, 
and uh, Lou Emerald claimed him off of waivers at the beginning of last season. And he did not play in the first half of the year. Basically, they sent him down on a conditioning stint. And only after they started trading away people did he get in the lineup. This year, he played really well in training camp. They kept eight defensemen because they didn't want to risk one of them going through waivers again, getting claimed. And 11 games, and with this defense playing as badly as it has at times, Frank Corrado has been a healthy scratch 11 games in a row. And the only thing I can come up as a, as a conclusion is, Rule Amarillo claimed this guy without the say-so of Mike Babcock, and Mike Babcock doesn't want to play him. I mean, maybe that's wrong, but that's the impression that's out there about a guy like Frank Corrado. So sometimes I get, a, get the impression they're not on the same page. I don't know. I, I think that they are. I, 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 yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. I've had conversations with them both, and there were no warning signs on this. I mean, I, I'm not saying they're not going to disagree on players. Yeah, it's going to you know, Babcock says it all the time that, that uh, when he was with Kenny Holland – um, they disagreed often about things, but you know, uh, when uh, Kenny Holland's you know kid got married, Babcock was at the wedding, and you know everybody yeah, right, everybody's fine. Uh, everybody held hands to sing "Kumbaya." You know? <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> you know. So yeah. I, I I think that that that's just part and parcel, and you know, Mike may be right about uh, about the defenseman, but it also just may be that. Uh, you know, Babcock is sending a message for 11 straight games that the kids got to, you know, work harder or do something or improve or, you know, you never know what's going on sort of behind the scenes. I just, I think that at some point we're going to see, you know, a reality thing happen when, in that city. And I don't know when it's going to be like, I don't know when it's right now. It's still, we're still living in another, in an alternate reality. And at some point we're going to get to the regular reality, but we're not there yet. And that's okay that we're not there yet. Um, and I think that that's the way they're doing it. And I mean, I could see Lou Lamorella signing him, bringing him up last year, and purposely saying he's not going to play till next year at the end of the like he. That's just Lou Lamorello. He has that in his head. Like he'll set up like that's how he wants to do things. He is a long tail guy, you know. Like he sees this thing out. Really. He plays a long game. He does. He does not. I mean, he, well, so what he does is you know you can't judge Lou Lamorello on a month to month basis. He's that's not how he does things. So. You know, and obviously, you know, it's not that's not what Babcock does. How Babcock does things yet, you know, either. I mean, he's doing things in a long range way, leg as well. So for now, I mean, Lou's always been, always played the long game. I mean, that's New Jersey. That's no different. So that's the same. Yeah, you're right. Played that way. Um, I, you know, another point I'd like to make about this too, I, as we all know, I've covered this league a long time, and I like to think that I knew, you know, uh, Leafs Nation. You know, I, I I've dealt with. <laughs> and through social media and my impression of them for you know the better part of three decades was you know they're crazy yeah you know they're just absolutely nuts um but now my impression of them is uh, you know they really know hockey yeah. like their ability to accept and support and understand this rebuilding um has really sort of changed my mind about the nutty leaf nation like you know they've gone from you know, groups that send me just, you know, terrible emails and uh, social social media outbursts and stuff. To, to, they, they, they get the whole thing. Like, they talk very uh, sophisticated discussions about what should be done next and how it's going and what they're trying to accomplish. And, I, you know, I'm not saying they, they go overboard, but, you know, a lot of fan bases do. But you know, they, they really, really understand how this all works. They really do. It's before, I guess what I realize now is they were just suffering from the angst of being a miserable 
franchise for yeah. so long. And of being and a lot of them remembering when they weren't miserable. Um yeah. too because well, the older ones for sure. Yeah. Right. There was errors now. So yeah. So now a lot of them have never known anything but this. So like, there's a lot of the younger kids who have known this. I mean, you know, Ronick scoring that goal to eliminate the least in the playoffs, you know, still is like the end is the beginning of the end, right? Of that <laughs> the beginning, the beginning of that Leafs team not ever being good again. And well, since then, right? I mean that, that that's a long time ago. You're talking about a decade of a fan base begging their franchise to rebuild, telling them, like when Brian Burke was hired, they were saying, we want you to rip this team to shreds and and rip it down to to, to the the bare floor and start over. And Brian Burke came in and and traded for Phil Kessel and traded two first-round picks. And that's why the reaction – I mean, there was a reaction to the organization before that – because uh, you know they brought in John Ferguson Jr. and John Ferguson Jr. was basically told by the ownership, you cannot, you know, we need to have playoff gates. You you got to basically, uh, you know, use a band aid on this team instead of, you know, just tearing it apart. And they didn't do that. And finally, when they brought in Brendan Shanahan, and he told them, I'm not taking this job unless I can do what I need to do. And what was needed to be done was to tear this thing to shreds. And if you look two years later, where is this franchise now? Though they've had some luck, they got Marner, they got Matthews, but this team is in such a, a much better place two yeah. years later than they were at any time. No question. Well, you'll get there, Mike. That's the point. Well, remember, when Brian, you'll get there. Brian Burke came in. There was an unbelievable amount of people who wanted Brian Burke to come in. I mean, that yes. we covered that. That was the time when you know I used to talk to Brian. I remember having lunch with Brian Burke one time and saying that he was still with Anaheim, and saying, "Well, we know you're eventually going to be <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs GM." He's like, "No, no, no, I'm not. I'm happy where I am." You know, and that was that was two years before he ever even took the job there. So right. there was an outcry. So those those Leaf fans didn't. They first tried that with him. Like, I, as much as people want to blame Brian Burke, I think that's what the fan base wanted them to do. I mean, maybe not, like, maybe not the two draft picks and all that, but they wanted to go for it still. They wanted to, you know. Well, that was the whole perception that right. Burke was a strong-minded, strong-willed guy who could demand to get autonomy, which he did. And then, you know, they thought, okay, well, now the, the team will do what they need to do, what they've needed to do for years. And then he went the different direction and went for the quick fix. And That's a good reason teams I don't, don't listen. I don't think he went for the quick fix. What I think he tried to do was to change on the fly, yes. which is very, very, very tricky. Yeah. And much more difficult and uh, more unpredictable. And maybe a bit antiquated, you know, too. It's- yeah. I, in this era? For yeah. sure. But it was interesting. I was watching NHL Network, uh, and maybe I enjoyed this because I agree with him, and that's generally a, a basic point. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, uh, but uh, Brian Lott was talking about the rebuilding of the team, and you know what I've always said about this. If I'm an owner of the team and the GM walks in and says, I got this five-year plan, I say, get out of my office. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, like, I don't want to hear about it. You know, this is the salary cap here. Uh, and talent gets spread around and everything else. I want to hear about a three-year plan is what I, you know. And uh, that, that's essentially what Brian Lawton said, that he, he felt that it would take it takes three years to, you know, kind of strip it down and then build it back up to where you're respectable again. And uh, I, I think that line of thinking has become more of an accepted practice. I think even with the Maple Leafs, you know, we've seen what they've done, um, you know, in two years and in three years, they're going to be – you know they're not going to be the Stanley Cup champion, but they're going to be there. I mean, they're 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 as I said before, they're a fascinating team now. 
-hmm. You know, if they had any luck with the rebuild of the defense, you know, they might be scary right now because now yeah. they, they did strip it down to the chassis, but, you know, they've built a NASCAR. You know, it's got turbocharged. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're solid. I mean, they're, and they're going to. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 uh, forward group is uh, is great and you know Mike's right they had a little bit of luck but they only had luck in terms of you know the idea was is to to be bad enough to you know pick uh, early and uh, it just so happened that that draft they got Austin Matthews but um, you know they, they've got other younger players that I think we all like uh, I mean that, they could have had Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews remember that I mean they were that bad that they could have done that. yeah I mean were, it was the right time to pursue this strategy yeah, and they do, and they're doing the and the and the fans are are incredibly in intelligent. I mean, you even saw that the World Cup of Hockey. I was amazed at the World Cup of Hockey at the intelligence of the fans. Honestly, there were people who were really getting, and that, that was that was the first time I spent an extended period of time in the Toronto area. So talking to people over time and seeing how they reacted, even to the games, you know that you know even fans that were there just for games that didn't involve Canada or the USA, but they were just hockey fans. They they really knew what they were talking about. Um, let's move let's move off of there for a second. Um, and let's go to. An interesting statistic for today, uh, my interesting stat for today is this. There is one team in the NHL right now, okay, who, who in every game they have played, the team opposing them has come out with at least one point. Isn't that a pretty crazy stat? So there's one team that, 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 that every time they've played this year, the team has given up, has get, that, that played them, has, least, has either beaten them or lost them in overtime, so they've gotten at least one point every game. Can you I'm going to say that's the Flyers. Nope. No. Vancouver. No, the Canucks have been shut out like three or four of the last five yeah. games. Yeah, I don't know. Pittsburgh, that, right? Um, the LA Kings, by the wow. way. The LA oh, Kings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Have given have when you play the LA Kings, you're good for at least one point every game this year so far. That's pretty nuts considering it's November. I mean, that's a, that's a crazy stat. That means how close the Kings have been in all their games. Well, they, well, go ahead. The one stat I'd like to point out about. Uh, um, you know, especially for all the advanced stat geeks, look at their puck possession numbers. They're still there. They're still there. They're still there right now. Their goaltending is, is uh, uh, you know, been a little lost. I mean, I, I think uh, Budai, as somebody mentioned earlier, has come in and did a decent job. But, you know, what has kept them in it is that, you know, they are still the best puck possession team. You know, they're they're right up there. Yeah. Can yeah, I say something the, that I realized the other day? I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. You go first. The, the problem is that they're not, that they're not converting it into goals as much as they normally would. I mean, and looking it up right yeah, now. Right. And that's really been the problem with the Kings. Not so much the goaltending, but they're scoring. You know, they're scoring. They were the worst goal differential in the league a couple of days ago at minus 10. Yeah. I don't know with the, with the, with the win over uh, Pittsburgh, whether uh, that, that changed at all, well, made it to minus nine. But, I mean, really, they're missing Gabrick, and I believe he's going to be out still a little while. They're not getting the production out of – and, Co you know, Kopitar is a two-way guy. He's not a guy who's going to score 100 points, but he is a very effective offensive player. They need more production out of, out of Carter, out, out of Kopitar, out of Toffoli. And if they can get that, then they can probably stay in the playoff race. But if they don't, then you're putting too much pressure on Budai, and I don't know whether they can survive. Right. And I want to bring up a puck possession stat here, okay? Because this – not a stat, but just a thought, okay? I was talking to a guy about puck possession the other day who was an old-time coach, and he brought up a couple of interesting points. And then I talked to a friend of mine who brought up the same exact points, proving that my friend is much smarter than he realized. Um, and th that is this, that when was the last time you saw a team dump and chase – on a power play. 
That is that is gone. That that's something that used to happen all the time, right? Now, no one no one is dumping the puck in on power plays. Um, and he's his his claim was that's because teams because of this puck possession thing. He's like, you have to the puck possession. His his theory was the puck possession has taken the dump and chase out of the game on the power play. Um, I don't know if it's all of that. I think they're too afraid to do that and not be able to set up their box or their triangle, which every team seems to be like definite on now. Like they've got to get that set up or they, you know, they can't just randomly have a play to possibly get a power play goal. Everything has to be the way they practiced it. And I, 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 don't, I just don't see enough individuality on power plays anymore. That's what I don't see. Or could it be after hundreds of years of playing that way that some coach looked and said, wait a minute, we're throwing the puck away when we have it, and then we're trying to get it back. Yeah, yeah. Like I've never really understood that. Uh, yeah, you know, game, I mean, you're right. So. It, it doesn't make a it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to dump and chase in the power play, but it doesn't. It does. The old theory was, at least I, what I was taught when I was a kid, was that you because you have an extra player, you can dump and chase and get the puck back. That's your idea. Well, well allegedly, but time, guys, time to do that. It yeah. does. But uh, but honestly, like if you look if you look at if you look at the way that most teams enter the offensive zone. I sometimes think that the dump and chase is just to throw teams off because, you know, you have – there's either that drop pack, a drop back in the, in the, in the neutral the backward zone. Backward pass, we hate it. My least yeah. favorite play in all of the NHL. But Everybody it, does all the time. There's, e- there's either that or you have the or you have the winger carried in over the blue line, stop and feed it to the point, man. There's like two or three methods that teams will use to enter the zone on the power play. And I think that, you know, if you defend against all of them, then sometimes the dump in, the dump in is, is a way to shake things up a bit. Well, I think the dump and chase started where, and, uh, you know, Russ can verify this too, you know, used to the, the way to – to thwart a power play was to stand up at the blue line. Everybody would wait up and make it hard to get in. So you'd throw it behind them because you know they're fe- facing away, and then you'd beat them to the corner. Yeah, right? if you come, if you attack with speed, you're fine. Like that was the whole thing. With the dump and chase, doesn't work if everyone's standing on the blue line, waiting, waiting to waiting for the guy to get across the line. But if everybody's skating forward, the dump and chase right. work, right? But it works if every if their team is standing up. The yeah, if their team's standing up, right? Which is like you know, against New Jersey, Florida, back in the nineties. I remember you had to dump and chase on the power play because that's the only thing they would do. They but would teams run. are so good at penalty killing now, and there's so much emphasis on young players to get to those loose pucks that it, it dump and chase makes it hard. It does because you see teams that still have trouble possessing the puck even with the extra player on the ice. I mean, if you, I mean, and, but another thing I've noticed, and I think this is true, and I wanted, I would love to do a statistic on this. I don't know. I think there are more shorthanded goals being scored than ever before in the NHL. And I've noticed, I, I don't, I might be wrong about that. But I really needed, to, but it just feels as if to me that there's more shorthanded goals being scored. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with this as well. And that, this puck possession thing, like I saw a guy the other day, I can't remember what game it was, but I saw a defender the other day holding the puck, holding the puck, waiting, to, waiting for somebody to get open, but holding the puck for way too long. And I'm thinking to myself, is he just worried about his possession stats? And sure enough, you know, he gets the, the puck stolen away from him, you know? And it's like, hold the puck, hold the puck, hold the puck. I'll tell you what, I only see more shorthanded goals against the teams that don't have two defensemen on the power play That's and use the forward thing, right? yeah, high, because- and that forward inevitably gets beat. Right. And that that's that's a good point too. I mean, that strategy now almost every team is playing the single guy on the point, right? Right. Which is a weird one because it it should make it easier to clear the zone because the whole concept of you know clearing. Yeah, the zone. you've got to be so good with that puck, and there's very few forwards that really can pull it off the right way. It it seems like a lot should be able to, mm. but they just can't. 
Plus, I think they get nervous because yeah. they know that it's a disaster. Exactly. The puck. Like, a, you know, I've seen some really confident <laughs> guys just look, you know, out of sync when they're back there because they know they think, oh, my God, if I lose the puck here, <laughs> right. it's going to look ridiculous. It actually happened to Drew Doughty in the final of the World Cup of Hockey. It, that exact play. I remember, I remember this specifically. Like he was Drew Doughty. He was, they were playing that power play. That he was the one guy on the back, and he gave up the hook, and they, they almost scored short-handed. Europe almost scored short-handed off of it because it was just one of these things like, holy cow. I mean, if Carey Price isn't back there, who knows, right? But, yeah, that is a nerve-wracking play. And also, I think, you know, and it was interesting for a while to see the single the single point guy and then the two guys in the slot and one guy on the net. I mean, the Flyers kind of did do it all the time. That's what they've always done, right? So this is their the Flyers are very, but it's become predictable to beat that. I think it's an I think it's predictable to now beat the one guy back. And when to a two point man, I feel as if you got more movement of players on the power play than this system. This system feels like everyone just gets set. Like the guys back there, yep. the two guys are on the board. It's like it's like in the NFL. Most teams use a West Coast offense, like Mike said, and like we all pretty much are thinking. There's not that much variation anymore on the power play. Right. There's been there's we're about ten or eleven games into the season. There have been twenty seven short-handed goals. That feels so, like a lot, right? I mean, it feels like a lot. I mean, I don't know. I, I remember my Stratomatic old days. You know, you know, Mike, like yes. the guys were one to two. We were not that many. And now I think there will be a lot more. I mean, if we played. Yeah. Only only the guys like Gretzky who scored a bunch of shorthanded goals yeah. or like Anders Kaller from the New York Islanders would have a, a The funny thing is, though, and I noticed this last night, teams in Toronto and Buffalo, now these are two young teams. But teams are not using the, the grizzled veteran like the Mike Keane on the on the penalty kill. They're using the young guys who are much quicker because they yeah. can close the gap, they can get in front of the shot, they can def- you know, and they're and they're a risk at going the other way. Only only the team like the Rangers who have Michael Grabner who's got ridiculous speed. Right. At being a veteran at almost thirty years old, use a but I think a lot of teams are using younger players because they're fat they're faster. So they're we should switch gears and talk about that Ranger Edmonton game because yeah, I want to. I noticed a few things. The first thing is Cam Talbot played a really terrific game, yeah. and yet if you look at the stat sheet, he lost five three. Now yeah. the Rangers outshot Edmonton, which you know you would expect, I guess, to happen because the way the Rangers have sort of opened things up lately. But they really were able to bottle up the top line, like Mike was talking about of, of Edmonton. Now McDavid had a point, but they weren't a huge factor. And the other problem was for Edmonton on defense, it's not like they had the wrong defense, but they were vulnerable to a lot of stretch passes, not just one or the occasional second one, but there were probably three or four really good ones. And so the mobility of their defense is still something that, that is plaguing them. And again, it makes Cam Talbot look worse because there were so many times where he was playing great positional goalie, the Rangers were peppering him down low, and he stopped everything. Rick Nash could have had two or three goals last night, but he didn't because of Cam Talbot. So I'm just saying that Edmonton, they have to tinker with this team a little bit, even with what they have, because McClellan kind of almost admitted he thought that that team was sort of waiting to get into overtime, but they never got there. Kevin, what are your thoughts on Edmonton so far? Uh, well, I, I got three things about the Rangers and the Oilers. Number number one, the Rangers are better than people are giving them credit for. Yes. Like those moves they made in the off season um, have really changed the look of this team. Uh, and you know, I, usually you don't pay attention to what players are saying, but uh, Stepan said earlier that it, when he was talking about the quickness, and he just says we're playing faster. 
Well, they really are. I mean, if you watch this team, yeah. you know, what's it remind you of? It reminds you a little bit of the way the Penguins played last season. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's just a lot more quickness. That's number one. Number two, I just did my list of breakthrough people, um, the guys that I thought were kind of establishing themselves uh, and, uh, you know, like Shifley in Winnipeg and uh, and guys like that. And you know who I put on that list was Cam Tauber. Now, he's 29 years old. And I wasn't going to put him on because I thought, ah, he's too old. But, you know, Dominic was 28 when he moved right. to Minnesota. And mm -hmm. that's when he sort of found his way. Oh, yeah. And Dominic is a really good goalie now. Great. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, he's a premium goalkeeper. And so I think Talbot, I agree with uh, what Russ said about, uh, uh, you know, he, he's playing well even when they lose. Uh, yeah. And, you know, his only issue. Um, and, uh, and thirdly, I, I get the Larson for Hall trade. I, I, I do. Um, I think the Devils won it. I will always think that yeah. because Hall is such a um, – but and Adam Larson fits, but he isn't making a big enough difference uh, yet. Like he's fourth in minutes, and he's doing the job. But, you know, if I'm going to give away Hall, I, I want more for that. I want, I want a little bit more than a guy who's fourth in minutes. Yeah, Hall's got like five goals in eight games. Well, I talked about this the other yeah. day, and I said, you know, the thing that really hit me, Kevin, is exactly what you're saying, where Larson's good. I mean, he's no question he's yeah. better than what they had before. But then you also sit back and you remember that they got relatively close to getting, getting Seth, um, Jones. Seth Jones for getting uh, Seth Jones for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, right? So that right. that that was a that was a discussed trade at least, a rumor to be discussed. And if that was even close to possibly happening. You have to ask yeah. yourself. And, and then when you look at Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's playing like a third line role now, even without Hall being there, I, I just I think that there had to be another option. Well, I, I just wrote on this today and I actually quoted Ray Sherrill. No one def no one presents a greater defense for that trade from the Oilers perspective better than, than Devil's general manager, <laughs> Ray Sherrill. Uh, I mean, he defends this up and down from the Oilers' perspective. Oh. And I, I understand, like, I get it. Uh, you know, and, and obviously the, the GM fraternity sort of stick together. But, I, you know, his point is, is that in a salary cap world, that the old concept of who gets the better player wins the deal is out the door. Because, you know, you're building a team and you got to have all the elements. And sometimes you got to give up more to get the element you need. Like, I I totally understand that. You know, but what you're saying is, and I think it would offset what Shiro's saying just a bit, is Larson would be the right guy if they had, let's say, Ryan McDonough on that team as their number one, but they don't have that number one, yeah. and that's the problem. That's the problem. I, I, I was in the, I was I was at the Toronto Edmonton game on Tuesday night and the you know, you had a $3 million defenseman in Chris Russell, two $4 million defensemen in, in, in Clefbaum and Larson, and the best defenseman for Edmonton on the ice was the guy making $925,000 in Darnell Nurse. Right. Well, that, that's, and that's another argument for, you know, why the Oilers, you know, made that trade and why they, you know, maybe they needed to make that trade, and that is is that he's tied up at $4 million, and they're not worried about him going somewhere. And they got right. him for five years. He's yeah. there, and he's a good player. Like that—that's yeah. the tough thing about this. Larson is a very good player. Yes, but you know they gave up a lot, a lot to give him. Now, the, the, let me go back to the final thing. Like I still like this Oilers team. I like where they're at, um, and uh, um, I, I think they're just sort of learning now how to deal with, you know, playing those kind of games. Like they're—they're they're not experienced enough to know how to beat the Rangers when the Rangers are playing this well. Right. right. They they have the ability to, 
yeah. they don't know how to do it. So yeah, yeah, that, that's totally fair. I mean, the Rangers, there's so much more. I mean, all the playoff experience on the Rangers, all that. Yeah. Stuff, I mean, there's a lot, there's tons of stuff there. I mean, and this team that this team is not, you know, the, I love where the Oilers are. I still stand by my prediction that they're going to make the playoffs and that they're going to finish ahead of the LA Kings. Because I'm going to, I'm going to remind you of that every week because that was. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. We need but, reminding of that. But I do think right, that. Right, 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 right. Very little playoff experience. I mean, at all. It really, I mean, they really don't have playoff experience on that team. And, and then when they play certain teams, and it's going to get harder to play those teams as the yeah. season gets older, because right now the season, the beginning of the year, there's a whole new set of rules that kick the the other rules will kick in sometime in December or January, and then there'll be another set of rules that'll kick in in March, right? So right now, the beginning of the season, they they're doing very well, and they're going to be in this thing. Whether or not they can stay in it or not is a good question. A couple really fun things, real fast. Um, so. This the I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Dallas Stars jumbotron is one of the most hilarious things in the NHL. Um, the guys who run that are just phenomenal. I mean, really, just have the great have a great sense of humor. And this was sent to me. This is a great picture. So um, let me show you this here. So let me here right here. So they put they put this up. Um, where is it? Hold on. All right, it's right. Rats. All right. Well, I'll just I'll just tell you what it is. Rats. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try to get this here. So you can see this here. So I know this looks kind of funky. Um, and, you know, so the, they put up their greatest blues of all time. <laughs> and so it goes Brett Hall and then Periwinkle, then Cobalt, then Royal, and then Cyan. Cyan. Cyan, Cyan. I think that's, Cyan. first of all, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> you so, got the stars, stars, you know. They get, although I'd argue that Royal should be higher, but that's just me. Yeah, and, and yeah. Yeah, and cyan is not really blue, is it? But anyway, I guess it, it is. is. No, cyan is the printer's version of blue. Okay, it well, is. No. All right, another quick fun stat. The Flyers last year lost five games when their goalie, when the other team pulled their goalie and tied it. And I talked a lot about that earlier, that Provorov um, was a good thing to have because they needed, they needed a shutdown defense at the end of the games. They've won three games already this year when they've pulled their goalie and they've, and they've tied it in the last minute and gone on to win in overtime. It's really fascinating. It's three times. It and is fascinating, but I don't think that that will last. Like, that magic is not going to last. I mean, it's not. It's, it's definitely not something you can make habit out of. But the fact that, you know, already they have taken three games where they shouldn't have any points at all and right. within the last minute turn, turn those into six points. Yeah. That's impressive, and that shows the turning of a corner. Those are the kind of things you see is when a team turns a corner. You know, like, that's like, okay, that's something. It's not phenomenal. And they were against not the greatest of teams, but they managed to – and last night they did it again against the Islanders. So there's that. And then this other stat, you know, in in the in honor of the fact that in the United States of America we are having a little um, decision making going on next Tuesday, and that is going to me. Yeah, I made my decision last week, and you can vote already, right? Yeah, I voted already. Yeah. According to Donald Trump, I can too, but he doesn't seem to understand that I can't. <laughs> he said the other day you're going out in Pennsylvania to early vote. We don't have early voting in Pennsylvania. Um. So anyway, um, but yes. So I mean, he's, I mean, he's clueless. Shocking. No, 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 no. He just apparently was misinformed. <laughs> yes, there you go. All right. So the one of the things on the docket in the United States of America is currently there are I don't know if you knew this or not. There are twenty five states, which is half of our states, if you're if you're taking track. <laughs> twenty five states that have legalized medical marijuana. Okay, and there are another forced no another. Yeah, another four states that are trying to legalize medical marijuana in this election, and another, and now there are four states that have currently have legalized recreational marijuana, and there's two more that are trying to do that. 
Um, and, you know, eventually, you know, and I know Canada has medical marijuana, right? So um, in their one country. So anyway, that's, so that, that's how it works, right? So now in doing that, an article came out on civilized.life, which is a really, I know, not necessarily where you go for your hockey news, but it came out with this interesting concept that I did not know, that in the NHL, the NHL does, does test for, for cannabis use, but does not suspend for it. It's not performance enhancing. It's not a performance enhancing drug. Where it is in 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 the NBA and the NFL, they they will they will suspend you for it. Major League Baseball and the NHL don't. Um, they have a different rule than that. Um, they don't punish at all, actually. And in in Major League Baseball, they have a little bit of they will punish you. I think they'll fine you or something like that. But in the NHL, apparently, from at least how this article was written, nothing. Um, players aren't even identified that that this happened. Yeah, they're not identified for sure. I, when, I know one because I wrote his book and he admitted it in his book. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard stories of players who've tested positive who've actually gone to um, rehab in the off seasons and stuff like that. But, you know, one very specific player that I know of that did that. But I just think that it's kind of interesting that the NHL doesn't, doesn't test for this drug. Um, I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not a user of marijuana. And if I was, I would tell you because it's, you know, it's not legal in Pennsylvania anyway, but you know, I've never tried it even. Well, I'm totally open for it, but I have never tried it. So, um, the funny, the funny thing is you go from one end of the, you go from one end of the scale like that to the NFL who suspends uh, a player for four games if he smoked marijuana. And I know that for a fact because the bills have about seven guys who've been suspended for four games because of that. And it's, you know, I mean, it's especially in the NFL where, you know, pain regulation and being able, you know, some of these guys have had knee injuries and other injuries and smoking marijuana is, you know, will help them in terms of the relieving the pain. But the NFL seems not to have any kind of flexibility when it comes to this. So the NHL, this is what the NHL does. If a player is found to have dangerously high levels of a narcotic or a cannabinoid, he is subject to mandatory assessment by doctors working for the NHL and NHLPA substance abuse and behavioral health program. Those doctors could decide to refer him to a mandatory substance abuse treatment. The, the assessment and referral aren't meant to be disciplinary, however, they are, and they are not mandatory. Um, so in short, the NHL doesn't want players to use drugs like marijuana, but they don't try to stop them with such with as much vigor as other leagues do. They'll just tell you if you have a problem and if you want to do something about it, they'll help you. Right. Right, right, right. So, and then this guy writer goes on to say this, um, and that might be a good thing. There's no doubt that NHL players who are lucky enough to make it to Stanley Cup Finals um, could use a painkiller like marijuana to treat aches and pains that come with fighting through the playoffs. I don't, I'm not going to buy that. But, um, you know, and, and then there are some players who've admitted to using it as a painkiller. I know I've talked to players who have. So, um, thoughts on this? I mean, it, it's a very controversial thing in America. Um, I don't have a problem with it. Anybody? Kevin? Nope. I don't either. I, you know, I, I know someone who was, you know, dying of cancer and they could not eat. Yeah. They had to use, you know. Oh, no, I'm 100% with you on yeah, that. Yeah, and, and, and like, so I'm all for it and I'm all for it in terms of pain, in pain, in terms of a pain regulator. I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, I know that some people think it's a gateway drug that it makes you more apt to use other uh, you know, opi opioids or whatever, but I, I think honestly, it's probably, and I'm not saying it's harmless. I'm not saying kids should use it, but I'm saying if it's an adult and there's somebody who is in a professional sport, they're probably already using it. 
but it's I think it's something that should be allowed. Yeah. I mean, there are players who come out later in their careers. Not in the NFL. One guy came out recently and said he was just high all the time when he played. You know, so that it does happen. But I don't see that. I don't think you could do that, that in hockey. Williams. That was rookie Williams, probably. I don't think you could do it in hockey. I mean, hockey is such a, is played at such a speed. Slowing yourself down with something like I mean, if I'm right, I understand it. That definitely slows down your capacity. Seems like the wrong idea, Kevin. Right? Yeah. Well, I think that's why it's not a ban because you wouldn't. You right. Know, the, the banned substances are things that are used to make yourself better. And uh, right. that's obviously not something you would use to make yourself better. The only reason you would use it is for recreational use yeah. um, or to relieve pain. Right. Okay. Well, I just wanted your opinion on that. I thought it was interesting. And finally, um, I wanted to bring up this thought too. I've, I've heard some rumors about Willie Desjardins. Um, possibly being on the hot seat. You know, we always talk about who's the first coach that's going to get fired. And I don't like to report on rumors of firings. I just heard that he's on the hot seat. I didn't hear he was going to be gone um, tomorrow or anything like that. But the, the the Canucks has started off well, but have struggled as of late. Um, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, if somebody has to be the, the guy that's on the hot seat and right. they, they have not performed well, um, although I don't think it's even remotely his fault. No, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing with on Long Island. I mean, you got to assume that Capuano is facing um, some pressure as well because, you know, they they really need to be a playoff team, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, and, you know, I, right now they're not playing at that level, and it's a little bit messy because of the goaltending situation. And, and by the way, like, the whole idea that Halak would be traded is – you know, just bizarre. Mm -hmm. um, you know, where's he going to go? You know, with that salary. Yeah. And it's just not going to happen. You know, yeah. Ruby's the guy yeah. that is that will be traded if anybody will, because you get a little something. Like he'd be a perfect fit for LA, the team that lost him. Or, or Grice, because Grice is a UFA at the end of the year. Of the three goaltenders, Halak was the one that was the least tradable because he's got another year at four and a half million dollars. And I don't think anybody wants to take. To, unless they need a starter, anybody wanted to take on a, a goaltender with another year in his contract for such a, hot, a high figure. Uh, act, well, when it comes to Vancouver. I'm sorry, Mike, but what if this? I mean, what if um, Dustin Brown was involved in this? Just throwing it out there. Just like no. another, another player who's making a lot of money. No, well, it just doesn't make any sense for the, you know, the Kings to end up with two goalies making that amount of money. I mean, they'd right. like to get rid of Dustin Brown, but you know, Gar Snow isn't going to take on Dustin Brown. Yeah, and and and, and regarding Vancouver, if Willie Desjardins on, on, on a you know on a short leash, then so should Jim Benning be because when you look at that team and everybody, I mean, I I looked at that team in the off season and them going and signing Louis Erickson to take a final run at making the playoffs. With the with the Sedin in their mid thirties, when that team probably should have gone the way of rebuild and tear down. That you know, yeah. here's the problem. Like I agree with you that you know Benning has not performed um, like the Canuck fan base would like him to perform. But I, you know, he's in a bad spot because the Sedins make a tear down um, distasteful. You know, they're still playing at a high level. And it's what, what, what do you do? You know, these are popular players. These are guys right. that love the city. Right. You know, kids have grown up there. Um, you know, they've given a lot. Like, uh, do you tear it down, everything except them? Do you right. ask them to be traded? Like, that, that is a complicated situation. Like, I, I'm a little bit 
sympathetic toward um, you know what it is that they should do there because it wasn't as simple. You know that the Maple Leafs didn't have anybody even remotely like that. They could all go. Well, you know, you know, you know, what the, you know what this is, Kevin. This is this is the Leafs circa two thousand seven. This is the Leafs with Matt Sundin. Matt Sundin yeah. was still an effective player. So were the Sedins, and Matt Sundin did not allow that team to get bad enough because he would still score thirty yeah. goals. No, that's right. And they would do the same thing. So I get, I get it from that point of view. But the thing is, I mean, if Benning is carrying the water for ownership, and the ownership is saying we got to win and we're going to do this, and you have to go out and get get players to make making the playoffs possible, then ownership is to blame. But I just think that looking at that team where they were, the state of their defense, and you know there were too many holes to fill, and they were starting to go in that young way with guys like Vertanen and, and Horvat. Um, that they should just have continued that. But I, I get the point that the Sedins are still too good. I, I, I tell you, that really, the only way you could do this is that you have a meeting with Benning, ownership, and the Sedins, and you just lay it out to them and say, look, we need to rebuild. What do you want us to do? <laughs> you know, in terms of, you know, how we handle it, you guys. Do you want to just stick it out with us? And um, But, you know, they'll hold it back because they're competitive enough to – to do that, they you know they'll make it harder to strip it down to the chassis you know, if you keep them. Um, so I believe they have one more year left in their contract. I mean, would it, would it, be, would it be beneficial to the, would it be beneficial to the Canucks to retain fifty percent of their salary, find a team that would be willing to take, and not to say willing to take them on like they're like they're an imposition. They're still good hockey players, but. Take take the to retain the salary, trade them someplace, get some draft picks, and do it that way. Because if they're if they're going to finish the, their their career in twenty ninth place, I think they would rather go someplace and try to win a Stanley Cup. Well, you you would think, although they you know like like there's some thought that they may actually stay in Vancouver and live there. Now, generally Swedes, as a general rule, to go home, and they may too. But I, I talked to them about that last uh not this fall but the last fall um at the uh the the nhl media day and the both of them said they were considering it you know staying there that this you know this has become home to them so i i think the only way to do it like they've played together so long you got to find a way to allow them to play together yeah so the only way you can make a trade like that would probably be in the off season um i would think so I mean, you can start the process. You you sit down now and you you lay it out to them and you say, look, why don't we try to? And you guys can be involved this summer. But in the meantime, at the trade deadline, you start moving everyone out. Um, and then this summer, you try to accommodate them and say, where do you want to go? I mean, they just they actually deserve that. Yes, yeah, they, they deserve do. to be um, treated. You know, where basically you say, go ahead, you and your agent, go try to work out a deal. And then and, and see what we can do. But in doing that, they might have to very well have to accept the fact that they're going to go separate places. You know, I mean, I think that that's it's going to be really hard for somebody. Well, I, I, not in the off season. I think you could get them together. Mm -hmm. um, they could go. They could go where all great great Swedes go to retire. Detroit. Right. No. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think there is a more as much as we say like the Swedes do have to go home. I don't think there's a more Swedish feeling city than Vancouver in North America. Like North America. It, it, you know, Vancouver really, I mean, I've been to Sweden, I've been to Stockholm, been to Malmo and places like that. And I would say Vancouver is probably about as close as you can get to having like a Swedish feel to it. You know, 
it's 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 interesting. I mean, I can see why they would like it there. Put it that way. It really has a good. I think the Detroit Red Wings dressing room has a Swedish feel to it. Yeah, <laughs> it generally does. Yes, it does. It feels like you know, it, it, you know, like Stockholm to me. Is it furnished by IKEA? So. Yeah, for sure. Um, and before we get out of here, I want to point to your article today, Kevin, on um, on Craig Anderson, mm. and uh, in the USA Today, it's a really good story. Um, it, entitled "Senators Craig Anderson Knows He's Not Alone," you know, fighting against cancer, in his wife's fight against cancer. Sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, this was um, you know, you got some good quotes in here. This must be an interesting story to write. Well, I mean, I, I you know these stories. Yeah. So, you know, basically I just wrote it based on, you know, what I saw. But, you know, the, the one thing that I pointed out that I think may be lost in some younger fans is there's a big history of cancer fighting in the NHL. Yeah, right, right. Mary Lemieux, you know, uh, finishing his last radiation treatment and then playing in the spectrum and yeah, getting there. radiation. Yeah. Saku Koivu, um, Cullen in Tampa Bay. Phil uh, Kessel. Phil Kessel is uh, a cancer survivor as well. So, you know, when the hockey fights cancer, is not just a slogan in the NHL. Right. You know, that's cancer has touched this sport, and uh, the players I find just respond more. So I, you know, like I was really touched by the hotel, but you know, standing out and uh, waiting out there is to give uh, Anderson, uh, you know, applause uh, for what he did. It really was. It really was something. And and it's such a Craig Anderson is such a good person as well. So it really does hit home, you know, that just in general, um, you know, and it hope everything, you know, prayers are definitely of all the hockey bus community and all the hockey community are with him and his, and his wife during this whole period and the family during this period of time, incredibly difficult. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. Hockey is, is a really, there's a, there's, it becomes a very small world all of a sudden, you know, when someone gets sick. That's what I felt like. If it, it suddenly the teams, the barriers don't seem to really matter as much. Um, and they don't matter at all. I think when someone is sick, like I, I'll never forget. I mean, there was no one who was booed more than Mario Lemieux in Philadelphia. No one. You know, I mean, that was, you know, Mario Lemieux and Yager. But yeah, I was there for that when he took, when he took the lap around the ice in Philadelphia and the place went crazy. And that's just, you know, I mean, that was just, it was just shows that, you know, the hockey community, they really have their head on straight about these things. So it's definitely, a, it's a great story. I definitely recommend it for sure. Um, all right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today, guys. We are going to get out of here. It's the weekend and we appreciate you, Kevin. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Really appreciate it. And Mike, you too. You know, thank you for coming on too. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and the buzz, everyone, it is just hockey. Enjoy your weekend. Lots of great games on tap. Have fun. We'll see you Monday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.